find your places in Titus, um, Titus chapter 3 tonight, please. We are uh, getting pretty close to finishing this book that we started uh, back several months ago, and we're nearing the end of chapter 3. It's been a just a, a really good study uh, in helping our local church as we are facing many things similar to what Titus uh, was facing in the, in the local church there on the island of Crete was facing. And uh, we have been drawing from that and being encouraged by that. We will continue uh, that theme uh, tonight as we are in Titus chapter 3. Let's go over there and begin. We'll pick up where we left off uh, last time. And that is going to be, he's going to switch gears here. Um, and it's going to go into a different subject. As before, uh, we uh, last time we're speaking upon uh, the importance of maintaining good works, uh, and that was in, found in verse eight. And of course, he was talking about the relationships here uh, that we have uh, with with uh, our authorities, uh, those in our. Um, here in verse 1, magistrates, uh, governors, uh, those that are in authority in that realm, and then also, even if they're ungodly, having a relationship with them. But then also we're talking about those that just don't even know the Lord, uh, those that are without Christ, and that are just, were just like us before we came to know Christ, we find in this passage. And now he's going to talk about, and again, the context has been relationships, so he's been talking about relationships, and that theme is going to continue, but this time he's going to talk about relations, our relationships with false teachers. How do we respond uh, to false teachers um, in, the, in the local church setting? And Paul's going to give a uh, description uh, with just that. Let's begin reading in verse number 9. The Bible says, But avoid foolish questions. And genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself." We'll try, with the Lord's help, uh, deal with those three verses. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we come before you with thanksgiving. Thank you for the Word of God. I do pray that you'd guide us tonight. Help us to understand uh, the importance that uh, we are commanded uh, to stand on truth, but we are commanded to do it with grace. And Lord, we need your help in these things. We need discernment. But, Lord, help us not to go by our feelings. Lord, may we go by your word. And so, Father, we commit this time to you tonight, and we we truly do thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight's message is entitled this. This is, again, here in our getting toward the end of Titus, is how to handle uh, time wasters and false teachers. How to handle time wasters, or I could as easily put there, uh, moronic uh, teaching. 
Moronic teaching, because that indeed is where uh, we'll see that Greek word is where we get our word moron. Uh, and, and But we do that, see that this is a, a moronic teaching that is taking place that, that wastes time, but then also how to deal with false uh, teachers. As a local church, we have a God-given responsibility to know how to deal with these things. Um, you know... Satan is always trying to find a way to distract us. I think about it, we, most of us deal with this on a daily basis. Um, you might be uh, on a website. It might be even your email. I, I have uh, Gmail. And, uh, and even on Gmail, uh, you know, as I'm checking my email, there's these ads that pop up on the side. Uh, for maybe something I was shopping for earlier that day or the week before. And, and it, man, it's a distraction. And it's like, oh, man, they got it on sale now. And you want to, you know, you want to go click on it, see if you can find that deal. And uh, there's, you know, there's distractions that we find on their social media as well. Uh, you know, it's a, a platform that uh, most of us here probably have access to and enjoy as, as a pleasurable thing, as a way of communicating and different things. But even that, even in that platform itself, you talk about Facebook advertisements on Instagram. There's always these things trying to pop up and can be a distraction and can truly rob you uh, of your time, rob you of, of your purpose. Man, how many have ever gone on Facebook to either get some information or one of these other social media platforms? You've gone on it just for one specific person. You needed to get a name or you needed to find something real quick. And you end up spending 30 minutes before you know it. You started off to do one thing and then, oh, oh, so-and-so's doing that. Oh, really? Oh, and so-and-so's doing that? Wow, I can't believe it. And the next thing you know, you've blown 20, 30 minutes has gone by and it's like, what in the world? You know, you had a purpose and you got distracted. It robbed you of that. And we could go down the line in different ways, but I want to tell you something. God uh, and, and, and has called us to be a, a local church, His people to be focused uh, to to have a purpose in mind and not to get distracted uh, from uh, the the main purpose that the Lord has laid out before us. And here I'm going to see Paul exhorting Titus to tell these people on the island of Crete that look, you're going to come face to face with some people that are going to want to distract you. They're going to want to deter you from doing what you need to do. That is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is teaching them. It is loving on them. It is discipling them. It is assembling yourself together with others to encourage one another, to exhort one another. And you don't need to get caught up in, in things that are going to distract and waste away the purpose I've called you to fulfill. So what do we see here? We see here a command, first of all, in verse 9, that it says, avoid. Avoid. Now, these time wasters that we're going to deal with first, that we see in verse 9, we're going to call them time wasters because that's what they, that's what they're going to do. Not only are they going to be time wasters, uh, but they're going to be, they can possibly even be hurtful and damaging and can be, uh, quite frankly, destructive to the local church body. That's how serious it can be, you know, and we we can't take it lightly uh, because it's an imperative that 
that word avoid there, what does that word avoid there mean? It basically is describing the treatment that should be given to the following things that we're going to see, that we read about, the foolish questions and the genealogies. And we're going to see what is to be. What does it mean to avoid? Well, it's simply this word means to, to go around for the purpose of avoiding. Um, we, you know, I guess we're in the context we're talking about false teachers here. But, you know, sometimes there are people that you want to avoid, okay? Um, we're not going to name any names. But it might be an instance where you're at the grocery store and you see that one person at the other end of the aisle and you turn around and go the other way, okay? Now, none of us would do that to each other in here, I'm sure. But the truth is, that's the meaning of that word. It's actually to go around. And Paul is saying here, Titus, you exhort that church that they need to learn to avoid the false teachers and the ones that are causing problems and division and contention in the local church. Those that are teaching a, a false doctrine that's splitting hairs and, and just really a sowing discord, and we'll talk more about that, but we, he, it should be avoided. It also could be uh, understood as shunning, to shun them, to, to turn your back towards them for the purpose of avoiding them. And this is a command. It's, almost, it's basically saying, tell the church that they need to learn to take a detour if needed. When you come to these individuals and, 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 you, and you have to get to the, and these questions uh, that are being brought up, these subjects that are constantly wanting to be brought up, you need to just avoid them. Go around them for the purpose of fulfilling what we need to do. Um, I was thinking about the grocery store. I mentioned the aisle. Being a, a former stocker of grocery, uh, I used to stock grocery at Winn-Dixie. Y'all ever heard of that grocery store, Winn-Dixie? You don't see many of them now. I guess most of them are down in Florida. But I was a stocker at Winn-Dixie, and I loved working at Winn-Dixie. But, boy, there was one thing uh, that I did not enjoy doing, and that was uh, cleaning up an, uh, a spill on certain aisles. Uh, one of the first, uh, one of the worst ones, and my least favorite uh, aisle cleanup was the spaghetti sauce. Oh. But one thing I did notice, though, when it came to cleaning up the spaghetti sauce, and when it, and that, that actually happened, if I was there, it never failed. Whoever turned into that next uh, aisle with their cart, down south we call them buggies. Somebody looked at me kind of weird when I said, hey, do y'all have any more buggies? And she was like, I think it was up in Canada somewhere. She was, like, she was looking for a horse cart buggy or something. But, uh, but pulling that, those people would come around that aisle, and man, they'd look up and they'd see that tomato sauce and you talk, or spaghetti sauce, you talking about doing a 180. Woo! They were out of there and they were going to the next place they needed to get to. They didn't want to be anywhere near that spill. And that is almost the idea here that he's given when he's talking about a void. You need to treat these subjects these foolish questions and genealogies and these different things, you need to just avoid them. And we need discernment in that church because it can creep into any local church as far as that is concerned. I remember being a missionary out in Niger and, and I was thankful that, you know, we would, if we were going to a certain village, we would be warned many times that there had been a, a sighting of bandits. 
uh, those, those, uh, some of those Toreg would be out in the desert and they would, that would be their, their livelihood. They would find people traveling out. They'd stop them, say, hey, give us all your money, what you got, or we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, take your life, perhaps. Um, or take your vehicle, whatever the case may be, but they, they would, uh, seek to do that. But boy, it was, I was thankful when we would be going out and we would get word that, hey, there's been sighting of bandits. And you know what we would do? Of course, we would take a detour. We would avoid those things. And, and I'm trying to paint a picture here of this is what Paul is telling Titus to do, is to get around these time zappers, these energy zappers, because Satan is using it to distract the mission of the local church. So we see here that we must take it seriously. Paul said, avoid it. Now, let's talk about what we are to avoid. First of all, foolish questions. Again, I mentioned that to you. Now, I believe that this word foolish here is going to refer to questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. I believe, I believe foolish can describe each of those subjects. Because each of them, for instance, genealogies within themselves are not foolish. And we just read some this morning in the first chapter of the book of Matthew. Uh, the Genesis account, and you go through even Chronicles and whatnot, genealogies are not a bad thing to talk about. They're not a bad thing to recognize. It's part of the Word of God. But that's not what the subject is here. It's talking about foolish genealogies. And I'll explain that here. Uh, it was basically talking about here, first of all, in the foolish questions, they're talking about like foolish uh, disputes or controversies. Uh, these false teachers, they would uh, want to attack the truth, and they do it with a pious look. They do it in the name of religion, or doing it in the name of being more spiritual. But Paul is calling them out here. They have a purpose. That their purpose of debating, quite frankly, is to result in, in contention and division. Uh, they they pretty much or were a group that basically had found the hidden secret for success, and everybody else is wrong, but they're right, and it brings about a, a, a contention. I like what John MacArthur said here. He said these these foolish questions uh, about these these folks that would bring up these foolish questions would say something like this, or they this is a description of them. They would. Come in and with their novel, personal, supposedly scholastic, erudite, divinely received, intuitively ascertained, mystically gained insights, they would attack the Word of God. They thought they had arrived and found what no one else knew. And it, it went against the truth that the local church at Crete was to practice and to fulfill about, about what God had given them to do. And Paul is saying, church, you need to avoid these foolish questions. And we'll see other places that it, it gives also warning. There could be some foolish questions out there. Now, now, now listen, it's okay to ask questions. Again, it's nothing sinful about questions, but it's foolish questions. And what makes it foolish? That word foolish is where is, is, is the Greek word moros, where we get our English word moron. And, and basically, that is exactly what it is. It's, it's the purpose of asking questions uh, to cause doubt, to cause problems. And again, 
They're not for the purpose of edifying. Not for the purpose of unifying. They're foolish questions. You know, um, there was a... There was a question even this morning, and and I think it was a good question in our Sunday school class. Uh, It was was not a foolish question. But some people can take this to agree where they make that the main thing. And they dwell on that as if it has to be figured out. It has to be settled, and they have to have it their way. But one of the questions was this, where did Cain get his wife? You, you hear, you hear that, and, and, uh, of course there's, there's different views on that, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, simple there, but it's one of those things where you don't dwell on. Someone may have an opinion on that. I have mine, but, and I'm not here to talk about that, but someone can bring that up and dwell on it into the point where it can cause issues. You know, you got silly questions. Did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. Maybe God did give him one so he wouldn't feel left out. But the truth is, we don't gender strife like that and and seek to cause division and problems. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to fulfill the will of God and fulfilling the Great Commission, preaching the gospel and edifying one another. And if there's something that gets in the way of that, we've gotten off track. On to genealogies, you have foolish questions. What about these foolish genealogies? I'll tell you what these are. We, we talked about it in, in the first chapter several months ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But it was wild, allegorical interpretations of the Old Testament a list of names that were given. And basically what some of these Judaizers would teach is that there were, there were codes, if you will, uh, that, that, that they would find in the genealogies and that if they found them out and discovered them, it was new spiritual revelation, mystical beliefs, and it was way out of hand. And, and truly led to uh, Gnosticism and, and truly, it truly caused a lot of, a lot of problems among the local churches there. Uh, Paul deals with it in Colossians. But we see here that they were to be avoided. Um, I like what uh, David Cooper said when it comes to the interpretation of scriptures. Again, nothing wrong with genealogies. We know God put them there for a reason. I like what he said here. He said, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. Therefore, take every word at its primary, ordinary, usual, literal meaning, unless, unless the facts of the immediate context studied in the light of related passages and axiomatic, which means self-evident, and fundamental truths indicate Clearly otherwise. Just taking Scripture at face value, unless the context uh, shows otherwise, as we do see in the book of Revelation and other passages of Scripture where it's very clear. So we see that that is so important, but that's not what was being practiced. And, uh, you know, I get, I get, I tell you what, I get a little, um, leery or just a little concerned when I hear of people that have discovered a new Bible truth. We've been missing out on this truth for maybe 500 years or a thousand years. 
and it's just now being discovered again. Listen, I want to tell you, flags ought to go up on that. We have to be careful. Uh, Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with reading your Bible and God speaking to your heart about something that you've never seen before. We understand that happens all the time, and that's perfectly normal. That's good. The Word of God is living And uh, we do want it to be fresh, and we do want it to speak to us. But as far as a doctrine that perhaps the church has been missing out for all these hundreds of years, and we're just now discovering, hey, flags ought to go up. Flags ought to go up. We need to be discerning. The Word of God, is. there's no secrets in the Word of God. And not that we we don't uh, stop learning. We do continue learning the Word of God. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about things that can cause division. Again, disunity. What's the next thing here he says to avoid? And again, I believe it's avoiding like the plague. You want to get around that thing. You don't even get anywhere near it. What's the next thing? It is those contentions. Look there in your Bible. It's foolish questions and genealogies and then this word contentions. We don't have to spend a lot of time there, but it's talking about people that really just like to fight. (laughs) People that just want to get in an argument. Uh, you know, you, you, you know who those people are. Uh, you, you, you come in contact with them and they're just looking for a fight and looking for a reason to argue or to debate. And listen, nothing wrong with debate. Nothing wrong with debate. A healthy debate in its proper context is, is totally appropriate. But for the purpose of causing uh, dissension and, and, and division, that's where you have to draw the line. And that's where they were not drawing the line. They were wanting to veer the people of God away from the local church there on the island of Crete. And he said, you better beware of those false teachers because they will try to divide you. You look over there with me. Just flip back a couple pages in your Bible, would you? Go over there to First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy. Chapter 6, again, dealing with false teachers here. I'll just begin with verse 3. First Timothy, chapter 6, verse 3. The Bible says here, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. And doting about questions and strifes of words and whereof cometh envy, strife, railing. Look at this. Look at the the words of division here. Envy, strife, railings and surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. And notice what it says here. From such withdraw thyself. We see here that there's the, there is another proof of that they are to be avoided and those that are just looking to cause strife. But then look at this fourth one. We see there are foolish strivings about the law. Okay? Look there. That's again found in verse uh, number nine. That fourth thing that is listed. What is this talking about? Well, these false teachers, again, thought they had an elevated understanding of the law. That's that group of people that says, well, you know, you guys quite, hadn't quite got to the level of biblical knowledge as we have. We are 
we have uh, arrived at a level of our biblical intellect that, listen, you're not quite there yet, but you will be. And then there were some strivings about the law. All these little minute things about splitting hairs, which uh, can easily lead into legalism, can easily uh, lead lead into uh, these different formalities, and even lead into something that we mentioned earlier, mysticism. Uh, uh, Just reaching a level of spirituality where you're above the rest. And I want to tell you right now, that is... Totally unhealthy for a local church. It's totally wrong. And it should be avoided, as the Bible says. We should not ever, ever convey the idea that we have an elevated understanding about the Word of God in such a way that, uh, that, that uh, belittles people and demeans people. That brings strife. And doesn't mean, of course, that we can't stand strongly upon the Word of God. And we can stand in it unashamedly, and we should. But listen, none of us have arrived. We're all still learning. And I hope that we realize that. Strivings about the law. Well, you have to do it this way. And if you don't do it just like this, you're not right with God. Strivings about the law. We've got to be careful. We've got to be very careful about that. And we ought to avoid those things. May God help us and give us understanding because, boy... There seems like there's always somebody saying, no, no, no. And when it comes to the context of false teachers, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. You've got to do it this way. Paul says, avoid that mess. Just stick to the book. Just read the Word of God. Take it as it, what it says. Let the Lord, the Holy Spirit, lead you. There's no secrets there. That's where it's safe, is it not, church? That's where there's power. That's where there's authority. Or we stand on the Word of God. What happens when we uh, don't avoid those things? But what do those things do there? What is the description of these things that I've mentioned? Well, look in your Bible. He gives two descriptions here. He says, number one, they're unprofitable. Number two, they're vain. Those foolish questions and foolish genealogies. What does that word unprofitable mean? Exactly uh, what most of us understand it to mean. It means basically useless. (laughs) Leave it alone. Just read the Word of God. Take it as it is and let it be applied to your life. And don't get into these things that are are useless. They're not going to help the cause of Christ. And then what else does he say? He said, no, it's vain. He says it's not only unprofitable, but it's vain. What does that mean? It just doesn't have any purpose in it. We have to be, we have to be careful that we, as the island of Crete, was to be cautious and to be guarded and to avoid. It was so important to understand, look, don't let any false teachers creep into the church where it's going to distract from the purpose that God has given it. It's very important. 
There have been things in our life that uh, we've all experienced that have been unprofitable and vain. There's been things that are created. You're going to see just, oh, scores of toys <laughs> that, are go- that are made this year that are being advertised. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, they're just, they're, they'll be used for maybe, maybe a couple weeks. Uh, maybe of that, I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting to the point now where when we go to Christmas get-togethers and families, these kids are getting so showered with gifts, it's like, they tear one open, look at it for about maybe a half a second, whew, where's the next one? You know? Hey, listen, I'm not getting on to that. I mean, if people give you gifts, yeah, maybe, maybe they're just being a good steward of their time. I don't know. But to me, it, it almost appears that, boy, it's just on to the next thing. Uh, what, what can I get? And really, those, a lot of those things that are, are received, uh, as far as toys and even toys for the adults, you know. How many toys do we have, uh, around our house that we never use? Anybody got those? It, wouldn't it be interesting if we, uh, just decided, you know what? Let's, let's just bring to the church together. Let's just do a collection. Let's go around our house and take up these things in our homes that we haven't used in a year. Or two years. Some of you say, come on, Pastor, can we say five? Five years? I'm going to use it next year, I'm pretty sure. But honestly, it would pile up and, and because we got a lot of things that are really just laying around that are unprofitable. Now, again, I'm not being critical if you got something you hadn't used in a long time. Plan. You, I, don't get me wrong. You know that. But the point is, is that that's what these teachings were. They were unprofitable. They were useless. They were doing no good. I think about what I read recently uh, about, uh, it was probably around Christmas time. This guy in the 70s, and some of you that I was not born yet, I don't even think I was thought about in 1973, to be honest with you, except by the Lord, amen. But the fact of the matter is, in the 1973, some guy got this grand idea of creating this pet rock. Any of you guys remember that from the 70s? Wow! The pet rock. Can you imagine? It had its little crate and everything. And believe it or not, it had a manual to how to take care of this pet rock. This is just a gray rock and, and the guy sold thousands. He became a millionaire. Pet rock. Useless. Unprofitable. Just like these teachings right here. Moving on here, he's telling us how to handle these uh, time wasters or these, uh, these uh, moronic teachings. But then he goes on to say how to handle the heretics. Now, you find there in verse 10, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Now, who are these heretics? What what does that word mean? Well, I believe it can be summed up like this, church. It's those who are divisive and sought to sow discord with their false teachings and their viewpoints. Their perspective went against the teaching of the local church here on the island of Crete, what Paul had been teaching them. 
And he says, this is how you deal with them. Number one, you admonish them. That's right there in the text. What do you do? You, there's a first and second admonition that is to be given. Another, in other words, warn them twice. How do you do that? Well, you do it with grace. Some people are ugly about it and, they, and they're totally wrong in it. That's where they mess up. You don't ever go and warn somebody with a mean, arrogant spirit. It's just wrong. Paul says you're going to go to them and you're going to admonish them, not once but twice. What does he mean by that? He means you're going to go to them as a brother because, by the way, I believe, I do believe that these are people in, in, in the Bible, I do believe, as we see here in Thessalonians, here in just a second, are, are many times believers that have got a hold of wrong teachings. How do you know that, Pastor? Go with me over there to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Second Thessalonians chapter number three. Look, look at verses and dealing with a uh, someone in the church who perhaps started teaching these false doctrines. Uh, and uh, look, look there in in verse number. Uh, let me see. I got it written here. Verses fourteen and fifteen. Second Thessalonians chapter three verse fourteen says, "And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man." And have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. But get verse 15. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a what? As a brother. And it is, it is, there is no doubt at all in my mind that it happens in local churches where one who does know the Lord and possibly even loves the Lord, but yet there's been some teaching uh, that has crept into their hearts and minds that goes contrary to the teaching of the church, and it results in division. It, it, and it causes problems. And, 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 and what Paul, I believe, is instructing Titus to do here is tell them that if there's someone like that, you go to them and you talk to them just as a brother with kindness. You warn them, hey, brother, sister, uh, this, this, this isn't right. This is going. This is causing division. You go to them, and you talk to them, and then if they don't listen, you go to them again, and you talk to them and warn them again. Um, and then if that doesn't work, and remember too, is to be done with gentleness. Now, let me show you another reason that you, we should be gentle in, in our demeanor. And our disposition, uh, look with me over uh, in Second Timothy. You can flip back just two pages, really. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. Talking about here, listen about the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Get this, in verse 25. This is Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. In meekness, instructing those... That oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him at his will. He's talking about instructing uh, uh, brethren there. That have been taken 
uh, in, a, in a false doctrine or in a, in, in a, a false belief uh, in a way that they live, in the way they teach. And I believe that in meekness we ought to instruct those so we see that. But if that individual or individuals, they do not respond to that, that's where we uh, practice a form of church discipline. Now, church discipline is something that I believe is looked at in the, with the wrong connotation. Uh, some people would look at church discipline as something that's perhaps cruel or unfair. But if you look and study out the subject of church discipline, it is actually an act of love. Just as God disciplines us out of love, church discipline is for the purpose of showing our love for the purpose of reconciliation, for the purpose of restoration. It's never for the purpose to uh, damage or hurt anyone. No, absolutely not. And unfortunately, there have been some churches that have practiced church discipline with the wrong disposition, and that's wrong. But, but we do see here that if the warnings are not heeded, look what the Bible says. Back to our text. It says, if they do not respond to the first and second admonition, it says here, reject. Now, again, I believe that's a form of church discipline. That word reject means basically to turn away from them. Um, Again, this is this is something that I will say publicly, and uh, and and it goes for all of us, all of us. Anytime somebody is sowing discord, we have a God-given obligation where someone is speaking evil about another member for the purpose of dividing. We have a God-given responsibility to talk to that person and say, you know, again, admonition. As a brother, not as an enemy. You know, brother, sister, we, we shouldn't be talking like that. That's contrary to what our church believes. And that, again, is what I believe is being taught here to these folks in this church on the island of Crete. That, look, if, if they don't take heed the warning, then there needs to be a rejection there. Uh, and, and it basically means have no fellowship with them. Now, this word fellowship, now again, we're talking in the context of the local assembly, of the local church, okay? So bringing them into the fellowship is that if somebody was teaching false doctrine and causing division, it would be wrong for us as a church to act as if everything's okay. That would be wrong. Because the Bible tells us that if someone in that, in that uh, category... The church is to recognize that and to have no fellowship with them. Again, not as an enemy, but as a brother. Now, here's the thing, too, to understand. It's always, it's always for the goal, again, to see that individual or individuals repent from the false teaching that is going on. From the spirit of, of, of division that's going on. It's the purpose of turning that Back. Now, I like what Rand Hummel said in his um, his commentary on Titus when it comes to this. He said, most divisive people will not submit to the word of God or to godly leaders in the church. They become their own law and are not concerned with the truth or unity. And so in that case, the church has no choice but to put a public 
separation there that's, that, that basically says uh, we can't allow this in the fellowship of the brethren to continue. We have to deal with it. And God gives us clarity on that. I believe, as John MacArthur said, it is a gentle and kind of warning telling someone you better change the direction because the end of your course is dangerous, it's tragic, and it's chastening judgment of God. That's, that's what it is leading towards. And it helps those people to understand, wow, what I have been teaching or what I have been spreading, that has been wrong, and I want to make sure I get that right. And that is the goal Again, that I believe the Word of God is going for here. So then we see here, not only do we see how we ought to respond to the heretics here and the warning and, and uh, the, also the rejection. The rejection, you say, that's harsh. Listen, I know. But folks, we have to be honest here tonight. It's the Word of God. I'm not making this stuff up. That's how God sees somebody who is going to have this type of spirit and attitude. So we see here, and we can go through other passages, which when when we do our Constitution, there will be a portion in there about church discipline, how it's handled biblically. And uh, we'll talk more about that perhaps uh, for sure in that time. But but when we see here that also there's the, the rejection, but then there's a description of them that refuse to take the warning. Look what the Bible says. It says, knowing... That's the church, knowing that he, that's the heretic, that is such, is subverted. Now, this carries a pretty strong negative connotation here. It basically saying the person that insists on being divisive, they're twisted. They're all twisted and turned inside out. And we've used that terminology, really, even in our today. You, you could maybe heard someone say, man, that guy or that girl, they got some twisted thinking. And that is the meaning of this word here. A person who refuses to, to, to submit uh, to unity and to the truth of the Word of God, they get twisted in their thinking. And that word, incentive, it means there's a continuation of the path they're on. It's just saying, you know what, I, I have the truth, I know the truth, I've been warned, I've been warned, and then I've been even separated from, but they keep on sinning. That's what we see here. And then look what he says here in the second part. He says, not only are they subverted and sinneth, but it says, and being, there in verse 11, being condemned of himself. What does that mean? It means just self-condemnation. It's apparent to all that he or she, what they're doing is wrong. There's a self-guilt there. And so, Paul is just simply saying here, you need to, number one, avoid the foolish questions, the genealogies, the contentions, and strivings about the law. It's going to waste your time and your efforts Avoid them. And then he says, you need to know how to handle those that will purposely cause division in your church. And so, that's what they were to do. And so, we see here the the clear understanding of the teaching of the Word of God when we handle those things. And that's something, by the way, that we always pray against. 
I, I, one thing I pray uh, nearly daily, that's my goal, I, play, I pray daily for this church. I pray for the unity of this church. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit with our differences, and, uh, and, and by the way, this false teaching here, we're not talking about preferences. You know that. We're talking about actual doctrine of the Word of God that we believe and practice, okay? Soteriology, ecclesiology, eschatology. Uh, you, you go down the list. Uh, Christology. I mean, the doctrines of the Word of God, the teachings of the church, the teachings of the Holy Spirit, we hold to those. We're clear on those. And when those are being spoken against and divided against, that's where we draw the line. We're not talking about petty pe- preferences here. That's what genders strife that we talked about in the first part. That's what's going to really hurt unity. And he says, you avoid those things. Getting into arguments and disputes about this petty stuff. I tell you, it breaks my heart some of the things I see, the way, the way Christians talk to each other and put down each other. Again, nothing wrong with standing on truth. But I tell you what, I'm, I can't help but think what a, what a lost individual thinks of the way some Christians act towards each other. It's bad. May that never be spoken of of Crooked Creek Baptists. That we do stand on truth, but we stand full of grace. That is the goal that we see. But like I was saying, I pray for unity. I pray that we'll never have that situation where there's a person that has to be dealt with because of causing division. In fact, when I pray, this is what I pray. When I pray for the church unity, a lot of times I pray it during the model prayer that I follow. We did a study on that uh, not long ago, and God just dealt with me, and I just follow that every day. I don't pray it necessarily verbatim, but I let that be my model every morning in my first prayer. And when I get to the point, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, I say, Lord, right there, first of all, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive my wife and my children. Help me to be forgiving towards my church. And Lord, help my wife to be forgiving towards me. Help, help my wife and I to be forgiving towards our children and our children towards us. And Lord, and I get to our church, our sweet, dear church right here. I say, Lord, help forgiveness to be fluid at our church. Lord, help us to be gracious towards one another. Forbearing one another. Working, not getting in disputes and arguments over petty things. But loving each other, helping each other. And when there is somebody perhaps that's doing something that's contrary to clear doctrine, it's not using gossip. I say, Lord, don't let our church gossip. Let our church have enough courage, each individual, to know that if somebody... Is out of sorts and you feel like they are practicing false doctrine or teaching false doctrine, go to them. Lord, help us to go to them in a loving spirit and to, to warn them. That is the model I see here in Titus. We ought to avoid the foolishness of time wasters and we ought to handle Heretics with grace, but with truth. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, you know this is 
It's definitely, if I had to take my pick of messages to preach, this one would not be at the top of the list, Lord. And I, you know my heart. I, I would love to preach a much encouraging verse here tonight. But Lord, this is where you had us in the Word. And none of us want to see situations like this. And I pray you would protect us from it, Lord. God, would you help us to be a church that are just not caught up with time wasters? Things that rob us of our, of our purpose and our drive and our focus. I'm asking, dear God, would you please, and I'm asking church, pray with me right now. Would you, Lord, help us not to get caught up in the devil's distractions? And then, Lord, I do pray that you'd help us to be aware of possible heretics. Those that are sowing discord. And strife. And teaching against what our church believes and practices. Lord, help us to be tender towards those that may be caught up in that. And to admonish them as a brother. Not as an enemy. But Lord, help us to stand on truth and not let it go. Father, we need your help in this. We need your discernment. And Lord, we just want to hold to the Word of God as the island of Crete, the church on Crete, had to do. That's what we want to do. So, Lord, we commit this message to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen, as the instruments begin to play, would you just take this time to meditate upon the message and respond as God would have you to respond?